Welcome back, imposters, to the You're Not Qualified podcast. My name is Courtney Heater, and I am the host of this inspirational little passion project. And if it isn't the second week of January already, who the hell let her in? Does anybody want their money back yet from 2022? Honestly, I didn't read the return policy, so we might be stuck. (laughs) So a few episodes ago, actually, this is the 10th episode. Holy cow. Now, exactly how many cows are required for a stampede, Earl? I mean, is it like three or more? Just realizing that this is the 10th episode of the You're Not Qualified podcast. And it's because I have listeners and people that engage and are interested in these topics and want to learn more. That's the reason I kept going. So thank you so much. I learned today that seven is about the average that people often do for podcasts. So we are three past the average imposters. Let's just keep it going. So a few episodes ago, we talked about living your passions and defining your purpose. And I thought it would be really fitting to talk about that again with a spin in the new year. Live your passion, define your purpose, but then turn that definition into reality. And who better to chat about that than a career coach? If you're wondering how to and when to take that next step in your career or with another project, then this is absolutely the conversation for you. Let's go. We could make some real money on this thing. We could get in People Magazine. People? Hell! National Geographic. Okay, welcome to Mary Bayerek. Mary is a life career coach, founder of Life Worth Loving Coaching, who specializes in transition points in people's careers. So she works with clients to make sure they feel comfortable and aligned with who they are as they travel new paths in their careers, helping them make the most of their unique personalities and value that they can add. So thank you for being here, Mary, and welcome to the You're Not Qualified podcast. Thank you for having me, Courtney. It's a blast to be here and to chat with you. All the way from Canada. Yes, I am (laughs) currently in Ontario near Toronto. Do you speak French? I do not speak French. I do speak Polish. I was born in Poland and then moved over when I was 10. So a lot of transition points in my life as well. Oh, God, I love that. Are your ancestors all Polish? Yes, that's right. Beautiful. That's amazing. Polish food is very good. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So you started this journey of your business, coaching people in their careers in January of 2020, which is, as everybody knows, pre-apocalypse basically for the world as we know (laughs) it now, but coaching is really important. We need it right now. And you are helping people through the beast that is imposter syndrome as they're navigating their careers. So I'd love to start this off with assuming that you've also suffered from imposter syndrome because you can easily speak about it. I'd love to know more about your journey into it and how you encountered imposter syndrome getting into your business. Yeah, it's a great question. And it really, I love that you're speaking to the normalizing of imposter syndrome because it's something that all of us experience at some point in our lives. It's the experience of feeling like 
you're not enough, that you are a fraud, that some people find you out in the things that you don't actually believe in. When I first found your podcast and started listening to it, I loved the idea of the you're not qualified theme, because what does even being qualified mean? I feel like we're never really qualified for the thing that we're, that we do. And when you, when I first reached out to you, I reached out because I realized I've never been actually qualified for any job that I have ever done in my entire life. Music's my ears. (laughs) Even going back to to different internships and different positions that I've done, one example being I worked for a winery over over the the summer and I worked there just when I turned 19. Like this is the legal drinking age in Canada. So I did not have a sip of wine before, even during the interview process. I turned 19 before I even was going to work there. I remember during the interview, they asked me, what's your favorite type of wine? And I looked at a bottle that I received for my birthday and read the label off. And they were like, okay, I did end up getting the job, but I knew nothing about it. And I stepped into the training and there were a couple other girls with me there. And they they asked them again, what's your favorite type of wine? And they were like, Riesling, Gilbert Struminers, Pinot Grigios. And I was like, you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And it got to me, and I was like, I could lie and say something, but I was like, I don't know. And the training was like, This is fantastic. You, this is what our, our people are going to say. This is exactly what we want to hear. And so, really taking in that being qualified for the job, what we think you are supposed to be qualified doesn't actually mean that's what you need to get the job mm-hmm. right to have it be done. The same kind of with, I So this was one of my internships. I did a program called Knowledge Integration at the University of Waterloo in in Canada. And it was a very large, large with possibilities program. There wasn't particular skills that come out of it. You learn how to work with people, different different design skills. And I didn't have a job or I didn't have a particular field that I'd be going into. So any kind of field that I'd be going to would be like, I don't know enough about Mm it. Mm -hmm. I did know what I new such as that I knew design skills I knew I had the skills but not the necessary knowledge for it so even mm-hmm. the experience of stepping into the workforce like I don't actually know anything <laughs> and that's and part of it, that's okay the that knowledge that I'm okay. going to learn that it's all okay yeah. to not know and it's less about the accomplishments that we've had in the past that will determine our future but what is the capacity or the, the knowledge that we have of how we will show up and what is it that we can learn? And that was the most apparent for me in the job I had right before I started coaching, which was a user experience uh, researcher, user experience role. So user experience uh, designer is someone, if you think of like a banking app on your phone, someone had to figure out which buttons need to appear on that screen in order to make it easier for you to do a certain task, such as a transfer. So it's people that figure out how to create experiences, online experiences for others. And I had absolutely no experience in user experience design. Like I got there on the first day of the job and they're like, can you use this program? I was like, no, I can't. You're so honest. (laughs) And I, and they're like, okay. And I sat down next to a guy who had had all this knowledge about it because he was a, he was a a user interface designer. So he one who like sees how the page looks and he just taught me like on the job being like, okay, you need to do this. I was like, I need to do this task. How do I do it? Okay, I help you out with this one. I research different things. So it wasn't necessary for it wasn't necessary for me to have knowledge of that program would have been really helpful. But again, believing that I'm I I already assume I know nothing, I can only work my way up from there. There you go. What's amazing is that they still 
we're like, okay, let's still let her have a shot anyways. I don't know if it's the same way in Canada, but in Seattle, UX design is really competitive. Mm -hmm. And it might just be because of the tech boom here, but all of the qualifications that are required and like, it's like zero from your perspective to like, you must have so much of it. Yeah. But that's amazing. But that also tells me that you are, you're very confident in not knowing and that's okay. And people are like, oh, as it it should be. It's, it is. And it's really about the different. So in the user experience job, it's like, I talked about a research project that I did to improve the experience of people. So showing experience in a different field or a project that actually was an, I did something and I did learn, and this is what I can bring to the table now. Oh, heck yeah. Verbal skills. And being able to speak to them that Mm -hmm. this is something that, that I am capable of doing. And it's a learn skill. Mm-hmm. It's a learn skill. So it's often also with imposter syndrome comes of like, well, I can't do it. I, I will never be able to. And confidence is built over time with the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, because imposter syndrome is essentially the story that we tell ourselves about the experiences that we've had, the story about the accomplishments and where they came from. Yeah. Imposter syndrome often relates to it's all dumb luck. I had nothing to do with it. Other people did this for me. It's diminishing the value of our experiences and diminishing the value of how we contributed to it. There's also narcissism on the other side of I did everything. This is all me, but it's the balance of what kind of stories do we tell ourselves and the balance of actually checking in with reality. Some of it might've been dumb luck as everything is, we don't have control over, over everything. There's also skills that I've learned the way that I've showed up, the way that I've experienced myself, the way that oh, people yeah. responded to me and actually taking in the whole experience, the whole reality instead of imposter syndrome. syndrome I also think is a, an, an ego feeding thing. It's like keeping ourselves down in order to not actually see how awesome things are. It's like an addiction to losing. <laughs> I want to keep, I want to keep losing. So I'm going to keep thinking that I'm not that great. What if you tried thinking you're awesome? You don't need to go all the way, but what if you tried? I also see this manifesting in sometimes even myself that I don't really like to hype myself up and make it seem like I do know everything. If I'm talking to a group of people in the room or something and I don't want to feel like I'm bragging about knowing something or that I'm doing something. Um, like when I when I was developing the idea of this podcast, I only told like my partner and that was it because I was afraid of saying, oh, I'm doing this really cool thing. Everybody watch me when it doesn't have to be like that. And then when I started telling people about it, they're like, you should have told me, I wanna support you and celebrate you. And that's normally the reaction people have, right? Is they they want to celebrate you and they want to support you and they want to cheer you on and you know just celebrate that you something that they don't. They can learn something from you or you have a really cool project that you're starting. Right, so it it manifests itself in very weird ways, but the gist of it is it's okay to feel that way. And it's definitely okay to rise yourself up and feel confident in your abilities and just celebrate the shit out of yourself.
Oh yeah. There's so many deep rabbit holes we could even go into in terms of like psychology behind that and consumerism. And if you're kept down, mm-hmm. you will buy more things to make you feel better. You will buy this bottle of wine. You will buy that shirt. You will stay in your job because it's the status quo and you're too afraid to jump and explore. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Hadn't thought of it that way, but there is so, there's so much that keeps you down. And I chatted with Eris on another show that I had here. And he said that there are two walls that you're breaking down here. They're the walls that people set for you and the walls that you set for yourself and the walls that mm-hmm. you set for yourself are always so much harder to break down. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And they're, and they're often walls that we set for ourselves based on subconscious beliefs and Mm -hmm. even stories from other people. So I believe that, especially when I work my, I do my work with my clients, we actually get to the stories. What do they believe about work? What do they believe about their own capacity to succeed? What do they believe about how they learn and recognizing that they first have to, um, face those stories because the stories are are beliefs that um, influence and how we behave. So if you start changing behaviors, you're actually just dealing with a symptom of the problem or symptom of the generator inside. So you need to get to the generator of what do you believe about work and who has told you this about work? Who has told you this about yourself? Oftentimes thinking about if you hear something in your head, taking a moment to pause and be like, whose voice am I hearing this in? There you go. And does it even make sense is it true wow only a true friend would be that truly honest is it true is it true and it's okay if it is true but checking in with yourself or what true true on what level was it true a couple years ago Mm was it is it true in this context is it true in a different context is it true to parts of me Is it not true to other parts of me? So actually getting deeper and getting in touch with what, like with reality and what's real instead of keeping ourselves moving constantly forward and chasing the next thing. Yeah, the root cause of the problem. So it'll help you with a lot of different things in (laughs) self-development and in work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Always getting to the root cause. So then- you felt like an imposter. You were an imposter. You embraced it and you just went along with it. You learned from it. Now you can Mm -hmm. teach other people about it. But for those that feel like an imposter, which is probably everybody, as we mentioned, unless you are a narcissist or you are lying, where does it typically come up for people in their Mm -hmm. career journeys? Like when will they usually face it? Mm -hmm. I think the most common one is actually when we first move into the workforce. We first mm-hmm. move into our careers from school or whether that's that's post-secondary or secondary school when uh, you actually haven't had the experiences yet of building that confidence. Just, oh, am I in the right place? Mm-hmm. Did I, what did I choose? Is this, is this something that I want? And then you're often, you're the, you're like the lowest on on the lowest rung of the ladder as well even if it's that's the story that's one of the stories that can happen that you just have the least experience you are the youngest and so the imposter imposter syndrome can come from like the school that I haven't that I've done is doesn't count for anything I've been it's I've just been lucky or that it has been easy up until now because school has been like it's not real life. So you step into real life and you get a sense of this is something that's different. It's also the time when imposter syndrome can can come in and it's 
for me and my understanding, it's highly tied to perfectionism and needing mm-hmm. to get it right. And at the beginning of careers, I need to get it right in order to have a right life for the rest, like for the rest of my for the rest of my life. So that's oftentimes when the most when the imposter syndrome comes in quite heavily. Another point is in in the midst of like it comes in in the midst of transitions. So in the midst of changing roles, oftentimes to a high, like to a position that is higher with more responsibilities. And there isn't a, a recognition that there, that movement happened as a growth opportunity, but it becomes a test. It becomes a test that can be failed over and over um, again, or in the midst of yeah, changing careers when you're all the way trying something different and you're stepping into a new context that is very different than what you've had beforehand. But oftentimes people who change careers do it with a lot of a sense of like why I'm doing it and why this is important and why this is a move that makes sense. So usually in, in mm. transition points of when we first start a new job or a new career, and then when we move through the different ladders, we get to, we up level, and then we feel like we didn't deserve to up level and don't see the, the larger context. Oh, that's so interesting. So the way that I'm seeing or hearing this, and I'll say it back is, like a really summarized form, somebody else identifies some potential in you and tells you about that potential. And they're like, we are promoting you to a higher level. And then you might say, oh, I didn't recognize that in myself yet because it wasn't a career change that I chose. So the imposter syndrome might be more likely to happen then because somebody else is saying you have this and you're like, I must be lying to you or you must Mm -hmm. be blind because did I lie somewhere like on my application? to the job in the first place. Yeah, so it's convincing yourself that other people see it and why. It's oftentimes, imposter syndrome affects people who are high achievers disproportionately more than people who aren't. So it, it you're actually going to get recognized because you are so highly achieving in the first place, but the high achievement is actually coming out of fear of not being found out. Mm-hmm. So it like feeds this loop, but no matter how much you recognize or how much you achieve, it never is actually seen as I earned this, mm-hmm. or this is an indication of the value of my work and that I can learn. It's just, I'm doing it to cover up being found out. Right. They're going to figure it out any day now. And yeah. they're going to put me right back yeah. where I came from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll know I'm a fraud and being found out as the fraud and being found out that I'm, that a mistake was made, that something like mm-hmm. that. It's, that's the worst thing of failing. Mm-hmm. It's a fear of failure of being recognized as it, it's the fear of being not good enough, but in a very insidious way. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yep. I've, I've experienced so much of that. I didn't really think that I was a high achiever until I guess like a couple of years ago. And I realized I was definitely a high achiever. I wasn't in school, which is so weird. I definitely Mm. am as an adult, but so this is one thing that I picked out from the exercise that I think goes along pretty good with this. The question I have Before I get into that question, I just wanted to provide a little bit more detail around what this exercise is that I'm talking about. So Barry sent this to me before our chat, and it is just a 30-minute exercise. It's a download also on her website, which I'll link in the show notes, but it's lifeworthlovingcoaching.com. And the exercise is all about the first step of trying to help you get unstuck. 
So it helps you figure out what's most important to you. And the exercise is really hands-on and fun. You can print out them if you want or write them down somewhere, but it's a bunch of different words that you end up just rating in terms of how important they are to you. And then you're supposed to get them down to, I believe, five. And then you define your values around those five. So it's basically just like taking you out of that rabbit hole that could be when you're trying to determine exactly what matters to you and what you care about and what you want to focus on in your life. And it is one step closer to helping you find your why and helping you find what you should be pursuing and what is the most meaningful to you. And it's really a beautiful rendition of it. So highly recommend that you give it a shot. So in your exercise, crafting your values, which I will link in the show notes, everybody should go take it. It takes about half an hour and it's really amazing to really understand what you value and create that vision around that. So there is something that you mention, you pinpoint, we don't know how, so we think we can't as a Mm -hmm. reason that people get stuck and overwhelmed and they don't want to take the next step. I felt that on a cellular level because it's, that is so much what I think about many things in my life. And as I've said many times on this podcast, I've sucked at math for a very long time. And I thought that I don't know how, so I can't. So I just didn't ever do it. I never Mm -hmm. touched it. What can people do about that? Like the exercise that you have is a really good step, but where do people go? from that type of thinking. I don't know how, so I can't. I love that question. I love what you shared. Yeah, the cellular level is like hits hits deep inside. Oh, it hits you. I like almost cried. I was like, Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) how did she know? I know because I've been there 100%. Mm. There is a famous Eisenhower quote that says, plans are nothing, but planning is everything. Mm. So it's not so much about knowing the exact path forward, but exploring about how might you get there. The not knowing how and thinking you can't is the, is I as understand it, if you don't know how, it means you need to get it right. There's only one way to do the how. Yeah. And that's one, like it's a level, it's like solving a problem that doesn't exist yet. The first question is like, why are you doing it? Ah, uh, yeah. Because if even if you don't know how, once you know the why is this important to you, you can then start asking questions, getting other people you don't know how. But that doesn't mean nobody knows how. It's very likely that somebody has done this beforehand. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how, you can ask how. You can try. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if you don't know how, it means you can't. But have you tried? And so it's changing the thinking around the knowing the path ahead. We also don't need to know all the steps. People oftentimes try to solve problems that aren't their problems yet. Uh, but it's, it's the human way, Mary. <laughs> oh, it is. It is absolutely the human way. And, I, and the thing is not to need to change it but be embracing it. The whole thing with like insecurities or worries or fears, it's not to get rid of them Mm -hmm. because that would be like irresponsible and downright dumb to do it. 
Right. Because insecurities, fears, questions are all indications of something very important that is actually asking us to pay attention to that. It's our inner wisdom that we have. And if we just bulldoze through the entire thing, we are being, being irresponsible, uh, just not smart about yeah. it. But oftentimes we think they prevent us from moving forward rather than being like, oh, I have to pay attention more to this. It's like, I don't know how it means I, I can't do it just right now. It means I actually need to focus on the how. Yeah. Take it out in chunks. Take it out, take it out in chunks and take yeah. it out in small steps. People want to know how it's going to end, but how do the next three smallest steps look mm-hmm. like? And I love and- that you start with, can you do it? Did you try? Did you actually try? <laughs> Or do you just assume? It's just who told you you can't? Uh huh. Who who told you you can't? Yep. And who's wrong because of that? Yeah. Like you got to prove them wrong. Prove them wrong, and, and, and don't make it about them. Yeah. Make it about you. It's like why do you need to prove it? They don't matter. Yeah, exactly. It's your already, They've already lived rent free in your mind, preventing yeah. you from doing the can't. And the, and, and the you in this is oftentimes more than just one, one person, Mm -hmm. because the person also has so much context that they come with, that they have so much their own life that they live. So there is some signal in it. Again, the signal in the noise of, I can't be like, I can't, maybe there's a reason why I can't. What are the reasons? Are they real? When you try, when I try, one thing that I like to live by is I try for a segment of time that makes sense for the problem. Like I try for 20 minutes if it seems like something that's one math problem. Let's for an Mm -hmm. example, if I can't get it, I will Google it or I will ask somebody, but it's set aside time for yourself because that helps me not get frustrated at my own abilities. And it helps me understand that there's a time limit I'm giving myself that makes sense. And then I can just ask for help. And then that kicks off the rest of it. And it feels so much better because you're like, I tried, I gave myself time to try and I'm not putting myself down because I can't figure it out because this was the plan. Yeah. Right. Oh, proper head case you are, aren't you? <laughs> really messed up. Whoa. Yeah. This was the intention. And you say on the scale of 20 minutes, that's how I've always thought about all of my jobs. I give mm-hmm. myself a year from the moment I start to figure out whether this is the thing that I want to be doing because a year is a full cycle of things. I did the same thing when I, my two jobs before I did coaching. And when I started coaching, I gave myself a year. So it's January year. of 2021. Okay. Was your year and you're still here. And I'm still here. It has been the most challenging and the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my entire life because the, um, the thing to judge on for me or the, the, the rubric for me is, am I still learning? If I am learning, I'm going to keep doing the thing. And I've learned so much. (laughs) I bet you've just met such amazing people too. That's one of the best parts of the job from all over the world. So I work with people who are, because of the, the remote aspect of the job that I do, I work with people in Germany and France, in Puerto Rico, in all over Canada, in the States. One of my clients was working out of South Africa. So also there. So it's essentially like time zones are the biggest challenge, but within reason. Even when I started coaching, it's also, I think imposter syndrome can come and go. When I started coaching, yeah. um, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try. I also have never coached beforehand. And I was honest with people that I'm opening with this business. I actually started by 
volunteering at a workshop and I reached out to people who I worked with at the workshop about 20 of them being like I'm going to offer three free sessions I'm just starting if you're interested I'd love for us to work together and I thought like maybe a couple people would respond out of the 20 like I think 18 responded oh my um, god it was just, it's such a great thing to be in a context where people are just really interested in it. And for the next uh, couple of weeks, I would just have so many different conversations, so many different people trying things out. Do I want to work with this one? Do I not? And then some of them stay in those clients. I actually have a client that I started working with two years ago and we still work together to this day, but I still go through like ups and downs. I feel like only in the last four months I've stabilized to be like, okay, I can actually do this. But there is imposter syndrome, like running a business, marketing, oh, yeah. am I even helping people anymore? And being like, okay, I'm hearing that this isn't, this is important. And the insecurities and indication, this is where my attention needs to go at this point. This is my learning. This is my growth zone right now. And not having it be shy away, this isn't for me, I'm not supposed to be here, but okay, what can I learn? How will I, and I'll see, and then I'll see once I learn it, how I feel about it going back, because imposter syndrome can also be about emotions and feelings, and those fluctuate over time. I'm a very emotional person, and mm -hmm. I've learned that you never want to make decisions in a challenging state, always take some time to cool off, to reflect, and even make the decision a couple of different times at different cross sections of your own experience. I love that she called out that she is an emotional person. I am also a very emotional person. It's the cancer in me. I'm just a water sign baby. And how I combat that and, well, I guess not combat, how I foster that is, and I, I'm sharing this because it's helped me immensely and it might help somebody else too but how i foster that is i make sure that i only make my major life decisions when i'm in nature so if i have a job offer say or i am trying to switch careers or switch a job to a different company i will before making any serious moves go and take a hike um, even with friends and contemplate it while I'm walking through the woods, literally. It gives me such a clear frame of mind and it has not steered me wrong yet, to be honest. I've made really important decisions in nature, like even when to leave relationships, right? It's just, it's a healing space and it's a panacea for me. It's there to basically awaken my senses and it really helps set me on the right path. So if you are struggling and you are not sure how to settle your emotions and make a decision, you know what? Try nature. Give it a shot. Let me know if it works for you too. Yeah. The teacher becomes the student. It impacts you too. Yeah. That's, and you did start this business with barely any background in coaching. And I do love on your website that you did mention that you love to test your ideas. So you did yep. like workshop this to make sure that it held water. Yep. And that's actually, I feel like great advice too. If you're not sure about making a jump, then you mm -hmm. can always test it yep. and fall back on what you did before. 
prototyping it is the biggest thing. It's in one of my favorite books that I highly recommend to anyone thinking about any changes in their lives is a book by uh, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, Designing Your Life. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's one of my favorite. It's the two authors were professors at Stanford at the D school, the design school, and they work with students to design their life, usually a career. And every single chapter is written in this very like friendly, joking, easy to read uh, tone that ends with an exercise that kind of gets you closer and closer to recognizing what is it that you want. And it's an exploration. And I use that essentially as my Bible during my two month retreat when I I lived on the East coast of Canada between my job and between where I figured out what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the importance of prototyping. If you want to open a coffee shop, don't sell everything and open a coffee shop because you've probably over romanticized or only see the coffee shop job from one perspective. Yep. Volunteer at a coffee shop, get a job there, talk to someone that owns one prototype, ask questions, because sometimes I don't know how might be really useful. <laughs> Figure out how uh, one, one huge thing in design is not how to do it, but how might we do it? Oh, right. So you investigate a little bit more. Is that yes. just, okay. Okay. Yeah. Investigate. And also again, this, there's an only one way to do it. How might I find out about this? Mm-hmm. Not how will I like, how might I? that opens up possibilities. The coffee shop thing, again, I, how, how might I found out how it is to run a coffee shop? I could post on Reddit being like, hey, who has experience of doing this? Get polls from people. I could talk to, post on LinkedIn about who has a coffee shop. I could work yeah. at a coffee shop. Like the how might we then opens up possibilities. And I invite anybody that I work with or anybody I talk to have the open mind of how might I try something? How might I find out um, about it before making the big jump? Because that's, that's also where failure failure and success comes from. People have the idea that doing something equals success or failure. That sucks because if you're not succeeding, you're failing. There is no in between of, I have moved closer towards succeeding. It's a very kind of binary uh, mentality. It's so black and white. Yeah. It's It's not, it sucks. Yeah. And it's oftentimes you never get to success because the success is so elusive. It's something that is always out of reach or it's very short-lived. Once you get it, the marker moves much farther away because we're humans. We love solving problems. That's Mm -hmm. why in your life, you just got to figure out what problems you want to solve. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I like to think of doing as just like an iterative cycle with learning, doing and learning continuously. There is no succeed or failure. If you do anything, you're already learning forward. Yeah, defining success, it should be mm-hmm. your definition of success, yeah. not your mom's definition of success or your teacher's definition of success. Do people have a difficult time pinpointing what success means to them? Once people actually have the space in their life to, to think about it, no. Mm-hmm. But people at times don't often have the time to think about it or are feel so pressured to, to have, to get it right. The definition of success, actually, I like to think of the crafting your values exercise as your definition of success. Mm -hmm. I can see that. That is what happiness means to you and has so many facets, facets of it. But until we actually dive into deep into, to ourselves, we don't know what success looks like. Then the easy answers that have been fed to us are the ones that come first. And they're also easier to chase because they're oftentimes easier to, they're recognized more. And it's just a culture that feeds in on itself rather than someone saying I'm different and everyone's different. 
but the story is so overpowering of what success looks like or what does work look like and how we work is supposed to be. Oh yeah. And it's, it can be very overwhelming. So yeah, again, take it in chunks and take it in chunks. <laughs> define it for yourself. Do the exercise, define your five, almost like the five whys in a way for existence and, and go after it. This is going to be airing in the new year and it's going to have hopefully a, a, a good amount of even like inspiration to provide for people to not only defining their purpose as mm-hmm. this exercise really helps with that, but the crafting your values exercise. But when people define their purpose and we talked about this, then I feel like a lot of people discount the next step, right? It's, oh, you define your purpose. And yeah, that feels really good. But the action of it is what is going to make the difference. But I don't know if a lot of people know how, when, where to take action on their purpose. Let's dive into that. Where can people start for actual action at the beginning of this year? I love that. I love, love, love that. Defining your why and your purpose is like getting a sense of what is the flag in the sand that you want, that sand that you want to get to, the, the vision that you have. And often people get so freaking excited about that and think that they will just the motivation will ride on the excitement of the of the thing. And then reality oh, yeah. hits. Oh yeah. It's like a brick. <laughs> it hits like a brick. Oh. So the first step is taking a look. What does your life look like right now? And how does it look like in comparison or like, how does it look like next to what is your vision that you want in your life? Okay. Side by side it. Okay. Side by side and getting a sense. What are the differences? This isn't, this isn't an exercise. This isn't experience to be like, wow, my life sucks right now. And this is the best thing in the world. And, and it's not about spiraling downwards of this, this will never change, but it's an opportunity to be like, okay, this is how my life looks like right now. This is how I want it to look like what is the thing that will make a difference for me? Because we can't change our entire life all at once. What we can do is what is the thing that will get me even 1% closer to the vision that I want? Okay. Again, chunk, very small chunks. People oftentimes when they see this vision, they get overwhelmed because it means I have to change the entirety of my life. And I can't change the entire of my life because I don't know how, so I can't. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And sometimes you have obligations that really can't go away. Yeah. Exactly. And we have lives that, that we have created for ourselves. There is responsibilities. There's things that we have cared about that have tangled in on themselves and yeah. feel like we can't untangle them. But the first thing is like, what is the smallest step that I can do to move me closer towards that vision? It's different for different people. I would start with baselines of caring for yourself. So oftentimes health and like connection to other people is the baseline and your relationship to I'm biased, but your relationship to your work. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes there's tangles around how we think about, because we spend so much time at work, how we feel about it can drain into the rest of our, into the rest of our lives. So taking a look at the different categories in our lives, your work, your relationships, finances, etc., and see which is the area where you want to change something in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having the vision compared to what you want is the motivation, is the knowing the why to it. Why? Because I want to get there and this is going to get me there. Just to reiterate, you don't need to take on the whole world all in one day. Break it up. Break it up into categories. Go for a walk in the woods. Once you've broken up your categories, focus on 
one category in your life and then try to quote unquote fix something there or focus something there and then once you have moved that peg move on to the next category of your life so little chunks little bits you do not have to solve all of the world's problems in one night and especially not all of your world's problems in one night taking action is hard it's really hard where people have the most challenge there's a couple things that are oftentimes in the way there could be kind of psychological beliefs that we have around fear of failure around thinking that we're not good enough in those ones I would recommend starting small and prototyping and making little movements forward the fear of failure is oftentimes connected yet to being afraid of failing and not having confidence in ourselves but the more we're able to see that we're actually succeeding Mm -hmm. that we're actually moving forward with something that's one of the best motivators that we can have in our lives one of the I guess not personalities but one of types of imposter syndrome is people who set really high expectations for themselves and they never meet them so it just continues to feel that I'm not good enough start small start small and build up from there we are also extremely social creatures Mm -hmm. and having accountability with other people and accountability in the sense of supporting one another but also celebrating with one another is one of the most important things so talk tell someone about the changes that you want to make it will not only make that make create an accountability but it'll make it more real to you mm-hmm. that this is real now and it, it will definitely get into the fear of failure thing because now I told someone about it that they will know I fail if I don't get there yeah and that's okay <laughs> When I didn't tell people that I wanted to start this podcast, it was because I didn't want to then fail and have everybody know that it just never got off the ground. Or like have somebody say, but how are you going to do this and this and this and just cloud my thinking and my vision. So I just kept it to myself in hindsight. And according to Mary, that was not the most successful way I could have gone about that. And moving forward now for any other ideas that I have, I will go for that hike and tell more than just one person because people want to support you. They really, really, really want to support you. I promise. It's, yeah. And you can also start with trusting, telling somebody you really trust and will only celebrate you and not tear you down. You know, like you can be selective. Yeah. 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 Supportive and selective with, with who you choose to be with. And you can also tell them, I'm afraid of telling you because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. So if I fail, please be nice to me. Vulnerability is sexy. (laughs) It is. And it actually is deeply intimate. And I think we Mm -hmm. crave intimacy so much. And we think intimacy is just physical intimacy, but it's just being vulnerable with someone that you're going through a hard time or wanting to make changes. 99% sure that they have already gone they've gone through the same thing they've wanted the same thing there's a possibility a very high chance that by you showing your your vulnerability and showing that you want to change will inspire them to do the same so you're actually doing that person a favor so starting small getting accountability for it and also defining where you want to go it's like a smart goal essentially knowing specifically where you want to go when you will achieve it and then going back regularly to going back and forth, reflecting regularly, whether you're moving closer towards it. Okay. So keep a journal, maybe 
keep a journal. There is journals that you can do like accountability check-ins with that other person could be another thing. Other people, I know there is anything from like online goal tracking things that, that can, that are also possible. A friend of mine has an app called Complice, which is you set your goal. And then every day you have actions that contribute to those goals and it wipes and oh, you it's like every gamified. Time. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very cool. And it and like every day it resets. So you don't have any leftover ones from yesterday. So you don't have the weight of the thing I didn't do, but it tracks over time and you can, and you can have, um, in that day, you can do several things that lead towards different goals during the day. So one way of tracking it, and then every, I think every week you do a review of the things that you've done towards it. So there's a couple different ways. It really depends on what jives with you because some people hate their phone and hate being addicted to their phone. So they prefer to keep a pen and paper. Other people can keep loose papers around them the entire time. So it really depends what you want to be doing. So taking action means like paying attention to the thing that you want to be doing, keeping at the forefront of your mind, having structures around you to support you, such as social structures, people in your life, also having habits that support you over time to do that. And they will depend depending on what your intention is with the change that you want to be making in your life. So it's all about trying small, move forward and going back to your, why is this important to me? Why do I want to be doing this and connecting back to reviewing it? Yeah, and keep the North Star in mind, yeah. the why, the North Star, have it in your purview. I, at least for a lot of the work teams I've been on, we use like Kanban boards, like mm-hmm. Asana yeah. or Kanban. I'm not sure how you say that, but yeah, Asana, Jira. And personally using those for like personal projects has been a really big success for me because mm. you're used to it. You move it along. You're used to using it for project tracking. So you can yeah. use it for yourself. And then especially something like Asana, they'll have little unicorns and stuff pop up if you move it into <laughs> finished. <laughs> and that always feels really good. Like you yeah. love to finish things. But that kind of like celebration of the little tasks. What do you think about celebrating the little stuff as you move through? Is that good or is that like too floofy or what do you think? Oh, I am all for celebrating all the time and celebrating and celebrating in a way that actually is really meaningful Mm -hmm. to, to, to you. It, it might feel excessive or, oh, it's like fake positivity, but it really is the wiring in our brain to be able to like, oh, I did a thing and I now get a dopamine hit from doing it. And there's then a like a higher likelihood that you're going to come back to it and do it again. Mm-hmm. So it's a celebration. We, I think it's so sad how much coercion is used to have us improve. Yeah. Like again, like the failure of something is what is supposed to keep us positively motivated. Oftentimes people have a lot of trouble when they transition from like a work environment to entrepreneurship because there's no longer that if I don't do this, something bad is going to happen (laughs) or I'm going to fail at something. There is some to it, but there isn't that like external motivation. So your motivation needs to move from external to intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. And that's a totally different set of, of things. And by creating those celebrations and feeling excited about making changes, exciting about doing things and celebrating, we build those own structures for ourselves or the start of ones. 
Oh, that's such a fascinating concept. Bringing it inwards to me, it feels like, okay, I don't have to share these successes with all of these other people to feel validated. I can mm-hmm. absolutely have these successes be personal to myself and feel motivated and validated just as much as I would sharing it externally. It's like that intrinsic value. You deserve this success and you deserve to celebrate it really in it, whatever way you want. Like if you want to have dancing unicorns, like you could put those on your wall if you want, like from the Asana board or like on your wall, have a drink, buy a shirt. Yeah. Go out for your favorite coffee. Listen to a song, dance. And oftentimes celebration could feel like, oh, doing something that's exciting. Celebration could also be like a reflecting on like, this was awesome. And this wasn't this. And I learned this and I'm going to like see the progress that I've made. So there's so many different ways that we can acknowledge how awesome we are. Yeah, like color code celebration. <laughs> yeah. yeah, have like a green box around the thing you accomplished if you use a computer to track your stuff, like just the yeah. little things. It's mm-hmm. it's okay to hack your chemicals. <laughs> just, oh yeah. <laughs> just use what's inside of you for your betterment. <laughs> yeah, we are human and I feel like we forget that we're human so often, but it's like, okay, let's reel it back. Like I love people. I need to work with people to get something done. That doesn't mean anything bad that I'm not an individual, that I don't, that I am not a, a problem solver. It's this is what I need because I am human and I know this, how it works best. And maybe it'll change over time. Like we yeah. are fluid processes. And instead of trying to fit ourselves into a box that is very tight and will never fit us. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the cockpits that were made for some planes and cockpits were made to the average size of a person. Nobody fit in those cockpits because oh nobody's average shock up another victory for the human spirit yeah that also sounds dangerous <laughs> for like many reasons out yeah <laughs> person. but it's just like the seat wasn't adjustable it, it was made for the average person oh and there's size oh, and yeah. length but there's but there's no average there's no average length it's like it's average because it's a conglomeration of all these of all these people. And it's like, we just need to make adjustments and treat each other and ourselves as humans that are fluid and in process and changing and always doing our best. Yeah. And growth is not linear and don't oh, put yourself no. in a box. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's, it's a spiral. It's, it's a, a spiral. spiral. <laughs> it's a spiral going up, hopefully. Yes. Hopefully going up. <laughs> if we're going down, we have some problems. It can only be attributable human error it's i feel like it's always up because it's always building on things that already exist but it's a process of remembering and forgetting okay all right perspective on it yeah no that definitely that really remembering forgetting (laughs) two steps forward one step back sometimes but that's also that's life that is life so these career people that you coach Mm -hmm. those in careers do you coach entrepreneurs do I coach entrepreneurs? Because I'm just really curious how different their thinking is than those people that are in a corporate world or working for somebody or, mm-hmm. and like what kind of imposter syndrome things that they face. Yeah. I mostly work with people in companies or in organizations or in okay. corporate or in the corporate world. I think I have maybe one or two people that are either like running their own businesses or are like doing a variety of different things. The imposter syndrome oftentimes in the corporate uh, world has related with like role changes 
and that I don't know what I'm doing here and I don't have the skills to be doing this thing. And I like, I don't know if I'm supposed to have this kind of thing. And yep. it's so interesting to me because they all like, they all sound like stories to me. It's just like, why do you think that? Who told you that? What do you already know? What do you not know? But they're real. This is not a totally an invalidation of how they're feeling. If they're noticing something real feelings yeah they're real feelings and they're real experience and again they're signal about something like I don't I feel like I don't have the skills being like okay what skills don't you have let's actually get down to not the things but what skills don't you have these and these Uh, or who do you know in this position that you think would be a good fit or who who is right for this position these and these okay can you learn this how can you learn can you try Mm -hmm. and essentially it gets to be like what is the smallest thing that you can try And oftentimes, once you try, you get some confidence. You're like, oh, this is actually different than I thought (laughs) it was. Yep. Yep. It's it all it all maps back for me for we don't know how so we think we can't. But Mm -hmm. that's you just got to break that down. And I love Mm -hmm. that to say why. And then my response would be because they hired the wrong person. There's always somebody more qualified than you, though. Always. And that's just a fact of life. Hmm. So you have to like understand why you are qualified. And then little bit by bit, you're going to believe in yourself. Yeah. And I love it. Like the, they hired the wrong person being like, okay, oh. it seems like every person would be the wrong person if there's someone more qualified out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like- nothing would ever get done, but things get done all the time. Yeah. Is that, is that helpful? Is that helpful right now? Oh Yeah. Is that a helpful way? Is that kind to yourself? That's another big thing. Yeah. Is that kind to yourself? Is that thought kind? Is that thought helpful? Is that thought moving you forward? Only forward, my sweet imposters. Only forward. Well, spirals. Spirals too. Linear spirals. But up. (laughs) Go up. And if it's not kind, being like, okay, can we try a different thought? Or... Can we try on that if I've, if <laughs> even the opposite of it, of I am exactly the right person for it. It's like, why am I the exact right person for it? And trying out just different kind of like different ideas as different outfits. And you're allowed to take the outfit off. Right. Yeah. I feel like I would be uncomfortable if I'm like, I'm exactly the right person. Be like, that's, that's tooting your horn. I don't think I'm the exact right person, but maybe it's a good thing to think that. Like, to think that, and, and not even to express it, but what if I thought I was the exact right person? How would that change things? What if? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to act like that, but trying on different perspectives and seeing what other people might be seeing. So getting out of the, getting out of like the co- comparison is the addiction to losing. I'm addicted to feeling like I'm not good enough. Being like, okay, what if I felt good enough today? Is the, How does that make me feel? Is it uncomfortable? What do the different, or what are the different parts saying? It's while you're being, you're being like you're tooting, you say you're tooting your own horn. It's just, okay, this is valuable. I think I'm tooting my own horn because like then people won't like me. Or then uh-huh. it means I will get ostracized. Okay, this is important. Like this is information that's actually there. There are implications of assuming things that might be helpful as well. We all have this incessant need to be liked. So you want to keep down being liked and not overshadow somebody or think too highly of yourself. But yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in some ways, I, this is always not easy to do. And this is just one perspective. What if it was a game? 
mm-hmm. like how to look at if this was a game and even and even not taking things so seriously all the time very hard to do not I, I don't hold to it very often it's easier said than done but sometimes taking a step back and being like okay how does this look if I took a big step picture if I was looking as an alien onto this thing that's happening right now how would I describe it those little mm. like alien books on it be <laughs> like <laughs> if this was simple how would this look like and then gain some perspective of it and being able to laugh about the situation and step back into it okay that I've stepped out of it and how it looks like from the side what do I see now yeah Yeah, it's a whole different perspective. Also, when you said game, I was like, okay, so we got to make sure this is like a fun game and not like a squid game. Like we can't, (laughs) there's no, there's a lot of stakes involved there. So that failure is bad, but that's not the game we're playing here. (laughs) Play safe games. Yes. What else can we, we encourage those people that are coming into this year with They've set their values. So they're going to set their values. They really want to start to take action. Like what else should they watch out for? How should we do this? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things is definitely going back to the why is a big thing. Seeing, and when you also start taking action, keep assessing, keep reevaluating, being like what new information has come in. Uh When I work with people, I usually work with people in two, three months kind of intensive containers. And I don't work with people for six months because after three months, you're a different person. Especially if you've been, if you've been changing and doing different things than you have in your life, the thing that you wanted three months ago is no longer the same. Mm-hmm. And so reassessing, constantly giving you information of, okay, is this still aligned with what I want? Is these the goals that I want to be moving toward? Am I still the intentions or the changes that I'd be making that I'm making in my life? And this goes back to if you want to have change, set intentions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Be intentional. Choose something to move towards and then move towards it. And it's not the point isn't to get there to the goal. It's about moving in that direction. I was just talking to a client and they like base goal of of 20 minutes a day in this gym space that they have in their house twice a week. And we checked in after this last month intention. They're like, I didn't do that. But I talked for 20 minutes, at least twice a week with my partner about how do I get more comfortable with doing exercise? Because I've been so much out of practice towards it. And they actually started exercising, which encouraged my client to also just think more about it. So even though they didn't accomplish this goal, of, of doing a 20 minute, but because this was something that they wanted to move towards, they made the small steps going mm-hmm. forward. So again, they failed at doing their goal, but they learned so much and actually it's so it's much less, less likely they're going to hurt themselves now because of the knowledge and the perspective. And now they have social accountability for it. Exactly. So setting an intention for yourself, I want to move towards that. And then as you move towards it, being like, oh, I am, I'm on the path. They built a foundation, a strong foundation to now start next month, maybe Yeah, with accountability and knowledge. Like you said, it's seeing that movement forward is important. And we all have different seasons in our lives. 
Um, And we have so much context. It's like, we want to make change, but sometimes things happen. Again, plans are nothing, but plan is everything. Plans will disappear. They will crumble the moment you try to move towards them or things will come up. So not getting so attached to the outcome that you are needing, but seeing the entire thing as a process. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a process and it's fluid. Very fluid. And recognizing that we are people that are learning constantly and learning how to even achieve the goals or move towards our intentions because there is, and, and what works for us and, and what doesn't as we move towards those goals. You're not a cookie cutter of somebody else. Like it's totally okay nope. if you take a different route to the goal. Quick question though. So you work with people in segments and without obviously getting too personal details into that one client that you've had for the two, almost two years next month that you've been yep. doing this, are they just like incredibly driven or why has it been so long you've been working together? Yeah. So how I work with people is when I first work with people, I work in the six, six month intensive. So we meet every two weeks and usually it's around either changing jobs or like they're going through a transition and we work through that. And after that, I usually work with people actually on a monthly basis. Mm. It's like an upkeep uh, space for them. So with the client that I've been working with for two years, we've for all, probably almost a year and a half or so, we've been doing monthly sessions and they've come back. We've worked on anything from actually just earlier today, I worked with them on like management systems. They've moved into a new role and they were like, I want to improve a year ago. And they're like, I want to create systems for the job that I am doing because I no longer want to be ad hoc in like figuring things out. So we sat down and we're like, what are the systems? What are the categories of tasks that you are doing that you were orienting to it? How do they both inter interact with how do they all interact with, with each other? How do you, what do you already do? And how do you imagine automating it more? So more of your energy goes towards. So it's like upkeeping things. We've talked about their transition also through different positions. So it really, it really depends on the person's experience. Sometimes I meet with people following like for two every two weeks sometimes clients feel like they've done the work that they are that they that we've had together so I work with someone to help them move out of the job that they didn't like into a new job throughout the whole like job Mm. interview process Mm -hmm. and then we stopped our sessions as they were transitioning in the midst of moving to the new job and we'll be starting work again in in January again to upkeep and work through things that are not so much intentional but just always as things come up around like boundaries around work and self and relationships with colleagues with themselves with even like time management so there's a a variety of different things and I oftentimes I call I've called myself recently like a work-life coach so not a life coach necessarily but like a coach that helps people to orient to their work as an expression of who they are rather than having work be the the thing at the center that they have to orient towards. It's just one thing in their orbit. Yeah, basically. That's right. The transferable skills will just catch you so off guard. Like it's just who knew, right? But it's so cool to see like you just go there and I can only imagine how much it serves them because it's, it brings it down to a level where they're like, oh, this is so tangible. Like I can Mm -hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. I can do and this. oftentimes that's what I think the most regular thing I hear from people now is I feel overwhelmed is the basic when you think about the job that you want to be changing I feel overwhelmed the new position that you have I feel overwhelmed and it's about breaking down to chunks 
and being able to say what is what overwhelm oftentimes I perceive it to be around priorities. I've taken up so much of your time. One of the best ways to find me is at my website, lifeworthlovingcoaching.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook, lifeworthloving.coaching. I think on both of them and on LinkedIn, Mary Budrick, I would love to buy yoga. I would love to connect with you. And this has been such a pleasure, Courtney. This has been so delightful. Thank you. I really, I agree. Thank you so much for the time, but I do truly so respectful of your time. And I know it's later there in Ontario. So thank you for staying up late for me. (laughs) In case this is getting into your bedtime. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too, Mary. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for making it to the end of another episode. I really hope that this was valuable to you in the new year. And I definitely learned ways to pace myself and understand what my values are and how to orient around those and make them a reality. Remember, small chunks. Don't be discouraged. Communicate with other people about your ideas. Lean on other people. They care about you, even in the workplace. If you are still struggling, then maybe look at a career coach. I do know that Mary is still taking clients and I will list her information in the show notes and she mentioned it in the episode, but she is an excellent resource. Even if you don't contact her, her website is chock full of cool information and you can download that exercise if you are at the very beginning step and you're not just quite sure exactly what's the most important to you in your life to really start to focus in. And that can take out a lot of the overwhelming areas of trying to goal set and get started, orient around what matters to you. Where can you find me? My name is Courtney Heater again, and you're listening to the You're Not Qualified podcast. I have an email address, yn as in Nancy, qpod at gmail.com, ynqpod at gmail.com. Also on TikTok and Instagram at ynqpod, and the website, you're not qualified podcast.com. Keeping this this outro short again, because it's becoming kind of a trend. I've noticed that I go really long in these interviews, but a big reason that I started this podcast was because I love asking questions. I love asking people questions and I love just getting to know a lot about a lot of things. Like I know a little about a lot of things, but not a lot about many things unless it's whales. But I, I just love it. I love just drilling down to see how people operate and how they think. And I also really love to encourage people to just go after whatever the hell they want to do in their life. And you can. So that's why I started it. And it's becoming very apparent that I kind of needed that in my life, I suppose. Um, Not saying that like my friends are also amazing, but just like, you know, like broaden the horizon and ask so many more people so many questions. And I love it. So that's why they're running a little long. But I really hope that you are getting the value from all of the nuggets of the information in them. Okay, trivia. So I mentioned unicorns in this episode. Big Harry Potter fan actually watching the movies and listening to the audiobooks again right now. So it's like super timely for me. And then of course that 20 year anniversary came out. You guys, you got to go watch that. If you have not watched it, it goes over the whole Harry Potter world 
from starting 20 years ago like oh my gosh I feel so old but it's very incredible and really emotional and amazing okay unicorns unicorns were first mentioned in written stories around 2700 BC and they're described as creatures of great power and wisdom which makes a lot of sense and as we know they have the horn and they are very mystical and amazing beings and they don't actually exist at least we have never documented seeing one it's like bigfoot nobody can actually for sure say that they exist but we all kind of wonder if they do you know but you know it does exist as narwhals people don't think that they exist and they're the unicorns or the mermaids of the sea they are beautiful creatures with very long tusks the males have so they do exist narwhals exist unicorns they do not exist <laughs> if you are enjoying this podcast please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening if you're listening on apple podcasts please rate the podcast it would mean a ton to me and if you know of anybody that would be a good fit for this, please email me, ynqpod at gmail.com. Very, very last plug. If you follow me on Instagram, I love polling the audience for questions for professionals that are coming up that I'm talking to. So say it's a conservation episode, I ask if you have any questions in the conservation realm to ask a conservation expert. And then I will ask your questions in the episode and you can hear what their answer was. It's a really fun way to get involved. You guys have been so engaging already. If you would like to engage in that way, just follow me on Instagram and make sure the story notifications are on and you will see them there. Okay, <laughs> that is it from me. Thank you so much again for being here. I will see you next Thursday. Bye.